This is Agents Influence Podcast. I've actually given talks to groups about surfing and why surfing is the perfect metaphor for business. And the reason I bring that up is to get to the one example is that everybody in their life is given waves. I mean, the waves are there. It's not the waves, it's what you do with them. And there are people who look at waves and go, oh, why do some people see barrier and go, yes, and another person just turns around and leaves. And when you ask the question, you know, I think there's more good. But I think skill, in my mind, is more important because it's what you do with your opportunities, not necessarily whether you're going to have it. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners, how are you doing out there? This is me, Jason Cass, and we are here with Agents Influence Podcast. And today I've got the pleasure of having Mr. Kim, uh, uh, Chris Amrine on with me. Um, we're going to get to know him. We're going to get to uh, see how awesome he is. And I'm, I'm excited um, to bring him um, to, into the spotlight today. So it's going to be a good time. Um, before you do, you know, we got to get some things out of the way. Don't forget that about this time, it's probably summer. It's probably June. I don't know. It's right before June. I'm not exactly sure when this thing's coming out. Um, but the point is, summer's getting ready to start. States are opening up. Whether you're for that or not, it doesn't matter. We need positivity out there. We got to keep together, got to stay united. We can't keep throwing R's and D's out there because as, me, as soon as you do, you get half the people that don't agree with you. We got to stay united in the fact that we are Americans. We got to stay f- united in the fact that we can't let fear interfere with us. We got to stay united in the fact that we can't let other people's perspective. Pers- perspective necessarily be wrong or necessarily be deathly uh, right either. So we have to think about those different things. I just wanted to put that out there. I've been writing a little bit a lot about that because I just think that there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of confusion about a lot of things and government takeovers and whatever. We're all going through a unique time. The one thing that's always got us through it, I hate to say it, sounds goofy, but it's true, is love. That's just the way it is. You got faith, hope, and love. And I believe it was Peter or Paul who was writing in 1 Corinthians, and somebody he was he was debating whether it was faith, hope, or love was the uh, which one was the greatest. And he said it was, in so many words, I, I'm not quoting the Bible here, but he said in so many words that it was love because without it, you couldn't have the other two. So I just want us to keep in mind there that our faith in each other is important. Our hope that things are going to get better is definitely important. But I I just know that through the love and understanding that fear is not a driver and love is, I think we'll get through it. So that's to us out there, all of us Americans, everybody heard around the world. And that's the unique thing. I'm just not talking to Americans, am I? I'm talking to everybody across the world right now. So anyways, Mr. Chris Amrine, how are you doing, sir? I am most excellent, sire. Uh, da, 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 it's good to, see, da, da, da. good to see you and hear you again. That it is, it is. Bingo, bango, bongo. Here we are. And so I'm very, very excited to have you on. Um, I'm very excited to introduce you to our listeners. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You were on, I mean, I've done so many, like you, three years ago? Yeah. Four years yeah, ago? Yeah, 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 well, yeah. I know. Yeah. Right. 
when it was back there. But, you know, I've done so many. And to be honest, I, I didn't, I don't purposely reach out for anybody other than whenever I, I get the feeling, you know, I'm like, this is the time. And, and so it was, this was the time. I don't know if it was just because of another Star Wars uh, sequel or whatever, you know. It was probably um, the virus. It was, it was probably the virus. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the side effects. You may recover from it, but the side effects could be um, harsh. You're, you're correct right. around that. All right. So we're talking to you about you being an iPhone or Droid user. What are you, sir? Oh, I'm Apple all the way. Apple all the way, confident yeah. in his stroke, confident. Yeah. What's well, and I wasn't always, you know, I mean, I was an in insurance, right? So I pretty much grew up eating uh, IBM clones, um, <laughs> particularly Dell. And, uh, but I, I tell you real quick, actually, uh, I was, my wife is an IT person and we were looking for a new printer for her. And we were at a, a store called Office Max, shows you how many years back this was, uh, but anyway, while she was wandering around checking out printers, I saw this flat screen TV gorgeous. I mean, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I literally looked at it and saw the picture. And I, and I called the guy over and said, what in the world is this? He said, well, that's the new iMac. I said, no, iMacs are those things like the bubble with the colors. No, no, this is a new one. And uh, I looked at it and I said, I want one. I want that. I mean, it was literally, I'm just telling right. you that because it, it wasn't tech. It was like that's gorgeous. Uh, and my wife figured out she could play her adventure games on it and it was deal. So we took it home and, uh, honestly, I've never looked back It is uh, Apple, whatever you think of, whatever you think they charge their engineering, their ability to work at a seamlessly. I mean, I've set up home networks for my wife and I over the years. Uh, and it's a, a labor of love because it was always a pain to hook everything together and make it all it work. Was. I mean, this is, of course, going back years ago. It's still a pain. And, you know, we bought another Apple computer and literally there was a button you clicked and they were ready to go. And I yeah. said, this is the future. And so when it came time to get another phone, I thought, well, I get a phone that works with my new computer. And, the, you know, I was locked in and yep. I've been Apple ever since. Yep. It's uh, it's, it's the, it's the story. It's, it, works. it's, it does. It's right about that time is the downfall of the person's like life and the things and the way things work. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah. Hey, so, okay, so what's the, la what's the last app that you downloaded? Oh gosh. It was probably the, uh, Oh, I know what it was. It was the new Wick. Uh, I started to say Xfinity. It was the uh, Nighthawk app because I bought myself a new router. Ah, and uh, so it automatically you can set everything up now through an app, and uh, it's awesome. So uh, it's uh, that made it easier than having to you know flip over the thing and read all the serial numbers off the bottom and push all the buttons. You just went in the app and it started asking you questions, and the next thing you know, it was my new wireless network was up and running. I always have said that for so long. Like, who thought of this? Who thought of putting these little serial numbers on this little strip <laughs> yeah. on the back of the computer? Oh, yeah, right. You know? you know, and it's like, this is ridiculous. I mean, I'm, I'm 25 years old at the time, and I can't read the darn thing. You know, I mean, how did they? How does somebody who's who's an elder Asian veteran uh, do this? You know, but no, it's um, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm totally with you on that. And make sure everybody out there, make sure. I know you're probably thinking the same thing, loyal listeners. You're thinking, hey, Jason, make sure Chris knows about it. I sure will. Agents influence, uh, actually, agency intelligence. We have our own app out there where we're going to oh, have cool. podcast, all the podcasts. Um, yeah, mastermind 
mastermind members. Any of you guys can watch your own content there. Uh, yeah, it's great stuff. It's 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 the app of the future because it's the app by cast. Well, so, <laughs> and apps are the future. I mean, you know, I've, they uh, are. You know, I I still probably believe it or not, I could have a job now because I don't know if you've been reading about these unemployment systems that are all running on code from the '60s. No, that's, that's the actual code that I remember learning in college. It's called COBOL. And they're I thought, wow, you I could have another career. I can go back because they're desperate for COBOL programmers. It's hard. It's unbelievable. They're still running these huge government computers on this obscure language. And I thought, see, just what you said, it's not whether apps are superior. It's that they're easier and they're yeah. accessible. And it's like, why would you go back? You know, that the last time we talked, actually, you put a poster up on your website that you made of something I said, and I, I still have a copy because I thought it was so cool that I, I'm a poster, I'm a poster. But, <laughs> but the, the line we were talking and, the, and uh, about improvement, and I, and I think I don't remember it necessarily word for word because I'm not trying to be like Shakespeare, but, uh, but it was basically, there's no one way to do anything, but there's a better way to do everything. Oh, yeah, I do and, remember uh, that. And so to me, as much as I love the old ways of doing stuff, it's still... Why would you not grab the newest thing that works? Right. Uh, I mean, and apps, whether you, you know, I mean, I've got friends that go, well, you don't need an app. You can just go on the website. And I'm going, but why wouldn't you? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I we're living proof. So we have a members yeah. area at Agency Intelligence. They've been able to use this thing for three years. We literally have five to six people go to it. Usually they go inside the Facebook group and we'll look for things posted in there like the videos and stuff, but they still get frustrated because it's hard to find it in there. They try to go log in online. They lose their password. They got to reset it. They can't remember the username. Uh, we got the app and we've got 50 to 60 people a week going to the app where we had four to five a month going to our online right. members. So they still wanted to use it. They still needed it. It's just, as you said, it was simple. It was convenient. They don't have to log in. It's just right there, right? Um, yeah, my, my wife actually programmed an adventure game. Our youngest son is, I don't know if you remember, but is multiple disabled. He's deaf and he's on the autism spectrum. And uh, she had created an adventure game for him. Now he's now 26. So you can see he was about five or six at the time. And she wrote the whole thing you know, on uh, HTML code and all that. I mean, it was amazing labor. Wow. But she spent the last year, uh, a little over a year, converting the entire thing to an app. And uh, it's now available mm -hmm. on the iPhones and the, and actually you can download it to your Macs and your PCs too, because they use apps. Uh, but for exactly what you said, it's the accessibility and so many more people, if it's not an app, you've got an entire audience out there that's not even going to look at it, much mm -hmm. less say, oh, I can do it easily the other way. Um, mm -hmm. and it's an amazing thing and the stuff she's been, she's had to relearn a lot of stuff because there's things you can still do with a big website that you can't necessarily do in an app. Uh, but, uh, but in, in many ways it made her rethink it to where it's a far better game than she wrote years ago and she loves it. She's still working on it. She's out, yeah, out in her home office right now, polishing more. You got to keep, cause that's the one last thing about apps, uh, is you got to keep updating them. Because there's mm -hmm. always a better way. Well, we're back to that again. Always, you always come across mm -hmm. something and go, that's cool. I wonder if I can do that. You know, <laughs> That's, that's so, exactly right. How do I incorporate that into it? Bingo. So do you love to win, Chris, or do you hate to lose? <laughs> that's, I'm not sure if that's a – basically, I enjoy winning. Enjoy I, I don't winning. know. Because losing – do, do you hate to lose? Of course. 
But the thing about losing that I don't consider, there, there's a plus to losing, and, uh, and that's that you learn something, mm-hmm. that you figure out, okay, what did I, could I have done that better? And there's only two answers, and one is yes, in which case you're about to learn something, I hope. And if you can't do it any better, then you go, just got beat. And right. uh, why am I beating myself up over this? That clown's better than me. Um, That's right. And I've, and I've learned that because I'm one of those guys that was always pretty good at everything, which means I got run over by anybody who was great at it. <laughs> you know, it's like I could beat all my buddies. I, I used to tell people uh, anything I've ever done, whether it was tennis, racquetball, handball. I used to play a lot of handball in college. If we were in tournaments, I could get into the semis like that. And that was my top level of confidence because then this guy would show up and I, you know, and if you play handball or racquetball, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, like his, he would have his initials on his racket, you know, mm-hmm. and his socks matched his headband. And I'm like, oh man. And it was just like, they played a different game, but, uh, but so there, I, I have learned that there's a point at which, and I've tried to, you know what you do the best you can and sometimes you're just going to come up short and you got to learn to go dang he's better but there's nothing really to learn there other than you just ran into somebody that's better however mm-hmm. if i should have won then there's a lesson to be learned and uh so in that sense yeah i like winning but i probably learn more from losing and every once in a while you win and as you said then you bask yeah, in that for a minute that's why you, you play go, it's better than losing and then bam yeah. and then you know there's always those people like you're at a they just always win, right? Like, and it, but not only because they're bigger, just because maybe they have more luck, right? And which is the next question I'm going to ask you. But you think about that. Um, you know, you're at the Chamber of Commerce meeting and they're giving away the door prizes or wherever, you know? It's always the same people, you know? It's the same people. <laughs> they always win two to three times a year. And there's people who have been coming for 30 years and have never won anything, you know? It's just oh, the yeah. weirdest, weirdest thing in the world. I don't know. I don't know how that works that way. I don't yeah. know. But anyways, do out of those two, if you decided, hey, Jason, I'm going to break my life down to how I've gotten to where I am. And I'm going to break it down to one of these two things. Which one is more, skill or luck? Well, I'm going to go with skill. You're going to go with skill. Yeah, and I'll tell you why, because, uh, and why I say that. And I'm not saying there aren't people who have just had a run of bad luck. Uh, but I think it's it's not so much, uh, well, I, I, you know, I'm a teacher, <laughs> right? So I got another example. Uh, I've, I've actually given talks to groups uh, about surfing and why surfing is the perfect metaphor for business. And the, the reason I bring that up is uh, to get to the one example is that everybody in their life is given waves. I mean, the waves are there. It's, it's not the waves. It's what you do with them. And yes. there are people who look at waves and go up oh, to, I mean, just think about the psychology of it. There's people who look and go, oh man, can't go swimming today. Look at those stupid waves. And somewhere behind them or around them is some surfer going, surf's up. This is so cool. I have been dreaming of this day. And, you know, what's the difference between those people? Why, why do some people see, uh, you know, a, a, a barrier and go, yes, and another person just turns around and leaves? And so when, I, when you ask the question, you know, I think there's more to it. But I think skill, in my mind, is more important because it's what you do with your opportunities, not necessarily whether you're going to have any. Because I think I everybody is going to have something. Um, 
at different levels. As you said, some people are going to be a lot luckier than others. But still, we've all known the cliche of the talented athlete that never turns out to be anything and the person who's struggling that just overcomes it all because they're willing to work at it. So, mm-hmm. no, I, I definitely think skill. Uh, given that choice, I would say skill every day. Fantastic. And I agree with you and very well put. And I do love your your teacher and your analogies because that's what we like here. We like <laughs> real life examples, seriously. So what we want to do here always is we always want to challenge the loyal listeners, right? We're all about challenging the norms. And we find out a lot of times that those norms are that way just because they're tried and true. But we also find that there's norms that are not so much trends like people think, and they can be changed. And so as we go through this conversation, that's what I want to pull out of this. Now, Chris, take us back to how far you want to go back, high school, wherever. Where were you born? Actually, uh, in your neck of the woods. I was born in Springfield, Illinois. Wow. Maybe I knew that. Maybe I didn't. Uh, Springfield, Illinois is the first place you and I met uh, where I was at the conference there in your class. And I was sort of waxing nostalgic at the time because (laughs) uh, we moved away. My dad, we actually, uh, my grandfather owned the Wholesome's Bakery in Springfield, Illinois. Okay. And um, he also had, there were three locations, but the big one was in Springfield. And my dad and his cousin took that over when my grandfather passed away. And then my dad got real sick and they told him, get out of the winters. So when I was uh, seven years old, we moved to Florida and he sold off the bakery and started all over in a different business in Florida. And so I basically grew up, I guess, down in Florida. But I'll never forget, you know, the first few years we lived on a farm outside of Springfield, a little place called Mechanicsburg. And wow. there's something about those formative years as a little tiny kid on a farm that are just, you stay with you forever. Um, so I, when I got back to Illinois, it was like old home week, other than the fact that they had basically paved most of our old farm and built houses on it. Um, when I went out to look for it, it was like all I could find was the house surrounded by this neighborhood. We used to have an 80 acre place out there. And uh, so I grew up with it, but I basically grew up in Florida and then uh, went to school in Florida and got into the insurance business when I got out of college and needed a job. I mean, that was really the whole motivation. Seems uh, like a good never, one. Never planned on insurance. I was planning on teaching. Um, but then, you know, when we decided to start a family, I found out even then teachers didn't get much money. But but I knew I was personal finance. I'd always loved that personally and then taking classes in it. So they sent me out on some insurance interviews and I ended up uh, taking a job with John Hancock. And the rest, as they say, is history. This That was almost 50 years ago. Wow. Uh, I've been around insurance somewhere along the way, uh, if you want to look up the history, but in the late 60s, early 70s, a lot of the big life insurance companies got into property and casualty. Um, they preceded mm-hmm. the banks in thinking they were going to get rich if they only did that. So I was with a li- uh, John Hancock doing life and health and got my PNC license and thought, where have you been my whole life? I mean, I love the PNC. And it was funny. I tell you, we've we're got like 80 life agents in this room learning about PNC. And almost their entire mantra is, I hate this. What idiot would like this? And like me and two other guys are like, this is great. This is, oh, man. Did you yeah. see that exclusion? In the and, you know, and I realized I was different. I knew there was something different about me. But I thought they were missing the boat. And so uh, I actually left John Hancock, go with an independent agency that I later became part owner of. And uh, just the rest, as they say, is, as I said, is history. Got into that. We eventually sold the agency. Um, the principal that owned most of it uh, got very ill. And, and uh, I got an opportunity to do some teaching. 
which I'd always remember I was, that's yeah, what I thought I was going to do. And yeah. I said, well, I'll do this on the side and I'll be the insurance agent, but I'll volunteer to teach, which I would encourage anybody who wants to do to do it. That's the only way you'll find out if you like it. And it was like I died gone doggy heaven. Uh, so a little while later, the state agent association was looking for an instructor and they'd heard about me from somebody and they called me up and, and I said, well, I'll try it out for a couple of months and then I'll go back to the agent. In fact, my, the agency I was at at the time, the guy said, I'll hold your place for you. Go ahead and try it out. Um, he was an older guy, very encouraging. And he said, no, if you don't like it, come back. And I just never went back. Wow. Uh, and I've been doing that since the eighties. You know, and that, and you know, and that's how we met was at the Springfield convention, our conference in, um, in Illinois for the big eye. Yeah. And I think that was probably Oh three Oh four. And one of the things that really drew me to you was, first of all, I'm the same way. Um, I was, uh, I, I went and got my health and life. Li- I went and got my life and health license right after nine 11. Um, because my father-in-law had told me that I needed to be in the business guy that I met, Mike Beard said, Hey, um, you can try that, but you're going to be dead and broke in the water in two months. Try this PNC thing. I sat down, did this PNC thing. I was the same way. I was like, dude, this is awesome. You know? And one of the things that really drove me is I knew things as a young person that the majority of people had no clue about and paid people like me, regardless of age, to give them that information, you know? And I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. And so, um, and and that's what kicked it off. But with you, one of the things that got me was, is that as I was, um, as I was becoming of who I was, I liked how you were, your thing was, and you were wearing a shirt that said, insurance is fun. And, 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 and to me, to me, that was so like, I connected with that, right? Like I connected with, yeah, like at my, I think we can have fun at this too, because Mike Beard, who was my main mentor and that had hired me, he's a real fun guy, right? And he has, he has a lot of fun. And so it was really, really encouraging to, to realize like, wow. And your, your claim to fame was, I mean, maybe still is, is, I mean, you know, movies and, you know, music, like it's unbelievable, like titles and, and, you know, and when they came out and you, you told me one time that your, your, your daughter or your grand or granddaughter or something like that. I can't remember used to call you at two o'clock in the morning to say, Hey, you know, um, I need to know the name of this song. You said, <laughs> once Google came out, those calls stopped. Shazam. It actually predates Google, a yeah, stupid Shazam right. app. And it, and actually, um, you remember, you know, it was my older sister. Oh, okay. And my okay. older sister is a corporate attorney, was, she's retired now. And when you have an attorney in the family, you know, the opportunity to impress them or in any way crack through that, hey, I am the superior life form, in case you didn't know, veneer was when she had to ask me something she didn't know. And I just so look forward to those phone calls because like, yes. And uh, she then she quit calling, and I thought, Darn, stupid technology, damn app. That's See, right. So ah. Every, life comes back to an app. I mean, you know what? Do, what? Uh, why do you need to know anything anymore? Look it up. Yeah, that was so. That was so great. <laughs> that was so great. Just look it up. You know, and and, and to be honest, what's amazing is is I've kind of thought this, and I think we do in society, um, is that sometimes knowing too much is the issue is a lot of issues in the fact that we just have too much information. 
And in the book that Malcolm Gladwell um, just wrote, uh, uh, Talking to Strangers, it's very interesting how he talks about thin slicing. And he talks about, and, and maybe I've said this before on my podcast, I can't remember, but he talks about how would you make a decision between the best doctor that you would want? Would you like to hang out with them for a year? Or would you like to listen to that doctor talk to five clients for our five patients for one minute each? Hmm. And they have proven through his study that you can learn more about that because too much information gets us emotionally involved and we start thinking different things. And so it's, it's interesting how we talk to strangers and, and to prove it this way, they say your first impression, remember the word that their first impression is important. That's one of those things like that first five to 10 minutes of, of the way you think they had people write down about the way they think about certain people. And then they would have them hang out with them for, you know, two, three years. And then they would have them write it down completely different things. But deep down inside, when you pulled back the onion, the first initial thought was more in line with who the person probably is. So it was, it was really, really interesting, those thoughts. So sometimes wouldn't you agree that too much information can be sometimes too much and can actually cloudy the water rather than make it clear. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think you really described, I haven't seen Malcolm's new book, but I've, uh, but I think he hit on two things that they go way back and it, it, they're counterintuitive and I love that kind of stuff. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the, the stuff you didn't expect, but for example, choice, I've done, you know, customer service training for a long time. And one of the things I try and make sure is everybody says, we love choice. We love choice. We love choice. But the fact is, if you go back and look at any of the research, people, there's a limit because you go quickly from I want a choice to the deer in the headlights. And, sure. you know, there's an this actually goes back 30, 40 years, yeah. I think. But there was a, I think it was Smucker's Jam. Uh, but they were doing grocery store tables where they say, would you like to try samples? And they found out that if they had three selections of jelly out, that people would try them and then buy one. But if they put out five or more, they would try them and walk away because they gave them too many options. And, and I've, uh, when I talk about retirement classes and people with Medicare and Social Security and stuff, and I say one of the things agents really have an opportunity to do is if you'll simply recognize how many people, the error they make is not because they're stupid or they're incompetent or they're financially illiterate, it's that they have thrown so much information at them and they become terrified to make a mistake because yes. you gave them too many. And so they freeze. Oh, wow. They Good don't stuff. pick the bad option. They just go, I'll come back tomorrow. You just scared. It. And, you know, agents, they'll dump. Well, you could do a 401k. You could do a Roth versus a traditional. You could do a rollover. You conversion. And you lost them back at hello. Right. Because mm -hmm. all they're going, it's not that they want you to tell them what to do. It's that they want you to say, look, you're the guy that's got the brain. Why don't you take the 45,000 things I could do? Talk to me long enough to figure out which three of them I should choose from. And then that's worth a lot to me. I agree. Because, But it's the psychology of it. And the other thing you touched on, and I think if you combine those two, I've always found this stuff amazing, is what they call anchoring in negotiation. And anchoring is simply the fact that if you're totally lost, you will grab at the first piece of life raft you find and and grab on. And everything else revolves around that. And let me give you an example. I don't know if you're ever in one of my sales classes, but one of the exercises I used to do was basically a thing like, how much money do you want to make? 
because, you know, it was under goals and building, mm -hmm. you know, where do you want to go with this? You just want to work your butt off the rest of your life or do you have a place you want to take it, you know, and mm -hmm. I can help you get there if I only knew where it was. And uh, so it was funny. You go around the room and people go, uh, a lot. <laughs> you know, I want to be uh -huh. rich. And I go, well, define that for me. Yeah. Well, you know, more than you can imagine. And I go, come on. See, you just you don't know what to say. So finally, somebody will pull a number. I mean, this is almost I did mm -hmm. it so many times. It was amazing. They pull a number out of thin air. They go, ah, 50 bucks an hour. And I go, OK, let's use 50 bucks an hour. And you could then go around the room and everybody in that room would go, well, wait a minute. I probably can do better than her or she's in personalized. So I bet if she can do 50, I'm doing 70. But whatever yeah. number they picked from 50 to 150 an hour, from then on, everybody built off that number. That was, was the just, baseline. Yeah, it was, but they needed something. They were mm -hmm. like floundering and somebody threw out. And I think it's, if you put those two things together, you see not only why so many people are confused or make mistakes or get overwhelmed, as you said, with the data, but why desperately do they need a trusted guide to go, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi? I mean, I don't know what to do, but I know right. I need to do something. Uh, right. And the value you bring to that equation is not the knowledge, it's the ability to customize it, to sort it, and to help me get to make decisions that I'm incapable of making on my own. That's right. So sometimes the internet then is a, is great because it gets a lot of the education out of the way. Doesn't mean yep. we still, we need to enforce it. Right. But as you just said, that's the way I've seen it for a long time. My job is to, is to filter through that stuff to say, Hey, listen, I know you're telling me you read this, but that's for this type, or this is in that situation or something for what you've explained to me. And from what I know of you, you know, here's what I, here's what I recommend. I say this a lot to my, to my staff, cause I'm, I'm one of those people who will talk too much in that situation. And so I learned from it in my situation by listen, we listen to our recorded phone calls and we try to, we try to say that as simple as this, the person is calling because they have a problem and they're calling us cause they need a solution. Doesn't necessarily mean that they need solutions they're looking for a solution. You know, they're not looking for the plural form of it. Sometimes they are. And most of the time they'll tell you, like, what's my options out there? If I didn't want to do this or I read this and this, what, what do you think about those two? Well, it's okay to describe those two. Excuse me for the ambulance that's uh, right behind me. See, this is, this is real life. Hopefully people. it's not coming for you. No, it's not coming for me. I'm sounding pretty good. I think I'm still here. Um, yeah, this is not on a delay. Uh, so, 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 yeah, so I just, um, that's good stuff. And, you know, breaking the ice is kind of the same way, right? Oh, yeah. Like, like no one wants to raise their hand and then someone says the question and now everybody's like, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, now they all start doing it. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, wow. that's a really good point. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, a.k.a. agency. 
Don't settle for less. Do more with MBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So, and it goes back to something you said anchoring. earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, and going back to something you said earlier, it's people don't like to lose. And believe me, I found this at all ages. I've uh, taught Sunday school forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you tend to, I've been in a lot of age groups, but also that you tend to move with your age group. And I can tell you, I've had from college, high school kids, but I mean, I was sitting, uh, we lived in DC for a while area and I had a class of, you know, 50s, 60s. And I had like three-star generals in there. Wow. Uh, and they were still, when you'd ask a question, you could see them going, where's he going? What's he looking for? And I'm like, you know, when you get to be a three-star, you sort of figure they're used to telling other people where to go. Good but point. in this in this situation, when in their head they perceive themselves as being a student or a novice, suddenly they're afraid to make a mistake. Um, they they wow. just, they can't help but hesitate. Good and, stuff. and it's just, you know, over here, I am master of the universe. But what you just asked, you're the teacher, I'm the student. I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass myself in front of you. I don't want to look ignorant in front of these other people because, hey, I'm a three-star. I can't afford to look ignorant. I mean, it's amazing at any age people Hmm. uh, were afraid. And again, to me, the reason I bring that up is one of the things I tell agents all the time is you don't appreciate the value you bring to the table. I get asked, you know, when I was traveling all the time, which I don't anymore, but, uh, you know, will, will we all be replaced by an app or do you think they'll buy all their insurance off the Internet? And my answer for the last 30 years has always been they will unless you give them a reason not to. And Very good. the reason not to is not do I know a lot about insurance because definitely Google knows a lot. I mean, but what can I bring to the table? And it's the value of what will help them make the decision that's best for them. And is that, um, you know, it's very seldom knowledge. Because they could find that on their own. I mean, it's but it's mostly it's addressing the emotional side of it. What's holding them back? What's their own experiences? It's uh, as you said, many times it's just a, it's overly complex and it, it leaves them too many choices, and uh, they know they don't want to screw this up, so they tend to again, as we said, back off. And if you can just hold their hand and get them over that hump and say, you know what? And by the way, as, a, as an E&O instructor, I have to tell you, you never give them one choice. I just, we, you know, you, you got to give them a couple because ultimately, uh, for a lot of reasons, including psychological, but for also legal reasons, you, you do say, you know, it's your game to play the way you want. Uh, if you want the, if your idea of insurance is I never want anything to happen that you're not going to pay for, that's one thing. If your idea of insurance is I only want you to show up when all else fails, okay and anywhere in between um but we just sometimes mistake and i see you know i've trained produce i've done it myself where you think my job here is to educate them and to Mm -hmm. blow them away with how sharp i am and fine but what did you do for them and it it all come i mean i obviously i could wax poetic on this for the next 12 hours and you haven't got that time so i'll bring it all down to my always my key question which i always stuff though good stuff well i always asked I said, the magic was always, so what? Everything you do, you should always have in the back of your mind. That question is to that person you're talking to, so what? And if you can't answer that question, then where are you going there? 
Um, and it's amazing. I, I just share one story with you real quick. I was doing it. I was brought in in a sales class because somebody else uh, couldn't show up. I mean, I was. It's always nice to know you weren't first choice, you know. But uh, I love it when people call and go, "You're our final hope." And I go, "Well, you tried everybody else then first, huh?" Thanks so know. much for that. But <laughs> but they asked me if I would come in, and it was a, a two. I just want to share with you how you can't believe this stuff. Two-week class, high-level sales training from this company at this resort, fancy resort. And I'm there on Thursday of the second week to talk about workers' compensation insurance because this other person got sick. And so they were rattling through what they learned in their textbooks. And I would look, I was going on a class, I'd say, now, so what? So the classifications are important. So why does the insured care? Or he could be, so what? He could be audited. What's the big deal? And they would look at me, and at the end of the class, I got a standing ovation from these twenty-something wow. people. And I, I thought, well, this is nice. They've taught them to be respectful, and you know, this is okay. And the the lady who was running the whole thing on my way out, she goes, "You don't understand. We've been here two weeks, and you're the first one they've reacted to." And I thought they've had some That's brilliant people here, but what they've been doing is they were underwriters, and they were people that were absolutely brilliant that we're teaching them exactly what almost all of us get in CE and stuff of insurance is it's a highly technical, you better get the fine print right. And that's important. Mm -hmm. But it was like nobody would ever sought to stand back and go, but why does anybody care whether you know this? And that's right. if you're I an agent, that. and I admit, by the way, and you would know this too, which is why I enjoy sharing with you. As an agent, that's what you do. If I was an underwriter, I probably would perceive it different. If I was an adjuster, I'm sure I'd be. But as an agent, if you can't come up with the answer to the question of so what, then you don't, you're not part of the equation anymore. You're unnecessary. Insurance Agent Mobile app is unbelievable. It's what I've used now for over six years. What blows me away and what I use against my competition is how little my competition has this. Why are mobile apps not something you are thinking about? I don't get it. Like, you use mobile apps for almost everything that you do in your life. Some of you are like me and you order all your food off of it. That's how you're ordering your transportation. That's how you're living your life through banking and your meals that you're ordering through grocery stores and clothes off the internet. You have apps for all that, but you don't provide that to your client. I, you're a loyal listener, so I don't want to be upset with you, but in a way, I kind of want to say, like, I'm going to tell you what your clients are saying, like, shame on you. That's why you should check out Insurance Agent Mobile app. It connects in and integrates into your management system that what you have in your system is what your client sees. Check it out. I promise. You'll love it. You know what's interesting about this is is branching off of that, and, and at the same like. I've noticed, Chris, that um, I think I have become a better teacher, and I have taught CSRs, um, WAVE employees, different people who work, all American-based people. And because of my ignorance, and also because of where that I'm just thinking, is that when I have these VAs, whether they're from India or they were from the Philippines, one of the things that I would do when I would teach them um, personal lines is we would literally go through here are the types of building construction right 
here are the HVACs that you're going to see listed, and here's each one of them. You know what was amazing? At the beginning, I never, ever, ever did that with any American employees. I always just assumed, here's the Raider. We're going to give you the information. This is what it is. We're going to learn as we go through. But I never got that way. I realized that, and I've heard my friends say it, sometimes you have to uh, talk to people when you're explaining things like a third or fourth grader, right? And no disrespect. It's just the way we keep things simple, right? And And that's why I took that notion with them thinking because they don't know our culture and they don't know these different types of materials and they don't maybe build their houses the same way we do and heat and cool them. You know, that was my thinking. But then I also now since then have had success taking that same type of training and teaching it at a, at a smaller, simpler level, but actually breaking through down to say, so what, right? So like here, you need to choose this HVAC and it's like, so what? So why, why, why am I choosing that? Right? The American never asked. The people in the Philippines, they'll ask you immediately. They'll be like, so why am I choosing that? It's great you want me to, but why am I doing that? So what's the point of that? You know, so what? And um, that's interesting because that so what in a way helps me train other people um, differently than I had before. So I yeah. thought that was, was an interesting thing. Yeah. So, And I think when I look back on it, one of the things that I learned is I was the only instructor they had over the two weeks as background was at the agency. And so, again, the reason I brought that example up is you don't appreciate the value you've got through your unique perspective is that you are in a position to Mm. answer that question or help them answer it. Because and again, this is business and I've had people, you know, wow, this is so boring and you make it interesting or something. And I go, whoever told you this was boring. But if all you do, if if you're if you're treating insurance as if you're an engineer and it's all about the mechanics and the sub clauses. Yeah, I can imagine that would get old. I, that wouldn't, I mean, that's interesting to me, but again, it's just like, you know, so what? But right. when you're actually in front of people uh, and they're looking at you like, what am I doing with this? And why am I paying for this? And what good are you anyway? That ability to say, you know what? It, you might not follow all this, but let me tell you exactly and translate it. And, you know, right. you, we had that's talked we about are. the music and the movies. To me, I've always thought that's just another way of communicating. You're just basically saying, maybe you don't understand insurance, but you know that song. And that song, you see the lights go on. It's, mm-hmm. it's And whatever it is. I mean, to me, yeah, I use what I've got because I'm, I'm a music freak. And so it comes naturally to me Chris, and, I, and I like movies. The, but anything if, will work. If the industry today was a song that you wanted and to represent today's industry as a song. Like what, what song <laughs> would you say would be, would represent our industry today? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but. Oh yeah. Cause you know, the, I mean, the obvious one is highway to hell. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, that was way too easy, but, but if I had to, if I had to really think it through, it would come down to two of them. Uh, okay. And one of them is specifically coverage related. And the other one has more to do with making strategic decisions. And, uh, the coverage related one is, uh, when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah. And, uh, you, so you get the coverage out of that, huh? Well, it's, well, I, not only do I get the coverage out of it, but I'll tell you why it fits even more than that, but I've used it in class with going, uh, right after all the hurricanes hit the coast 
I mean, back mm-hmm. with uh, Katrina particularly. Um, and what you had was a whole bunch of people, and boy, this should sound familiar. Well, if we'd have known this was going to happen, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, and you had people saying, well, who could have expected the levees to fail? And, uh, and then the president of the United States at the time flies down and goes, well, you know, we want to help, but we, nobody could ever have seen this coming that the levees would fail, you know, and you heard that endlessly. And, and I thought, you know what, when I, back in 1970, Led Zeppelin knew those levees were going <laughs> to fail. I said, I always thought, my mom always thought I was into drugs and I was just listening to risk management training. But, and I, and I said, if you're a real music buff, by the way, you can take that example a little farther. And I would tell people, I say, and if you really want to rub salt in a wound, Led Zeppelin didn't write that song. They came up with that arrangement. That song was written in 1928 by Memphis Minnie McCoy. And wow. guess what she was writing about in 1928? The great floods of 1927, when believe it or not, the levees failed. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could never have seen this one coming. And our inability as a society to learn from history is mind-numbing. But in the insurance business, why are we here? Our rate, I mean, you could build our entire businesses based on historical precedent. If nobody else in the world knows that you could flood when you don't expect it, it ought to be us. And uh, so to me, that's just an emblem of we treat every fire as if nobody ever saw that coming. And yeah. Of course it's coming. Now, I don't know if you're going to burn, but I guarantee you somebody's going to burn. It's true. And so when I would tell clients that, you know, you really think I'm ever going to need this insurance? And I go, you know, I hope not. (laughs) I really hope that 40 years from now you look back and yell at me that you wasted every penny you ever spent on insurance. But I said, unfortunately, I got a whole lot of clients and I know other people that it's the greatest Hmm. investment they ever made. But I bet they'd rather be you and never have had a claim ever. Um, But I said, things happen. And the whole point of what we do is to say, what if? I mean, uh, just, and I remember I've I've shared in class, because I I know a good line when I hear one. I actually had a guy I was talking to one day. And and we were talking about how unlikely it was that something would happen to him. And he looked at me after we thought about it. He says, you know what? But with my luck, (laughs) <laughs> it'll happen and we got both got laughing so hard and i said uh, do you mind if i steal that because i would use it with people they go well you really think i'll ever flood and i go you know nobody has ever flooded here in the last hundred years but with your luck and they go, <laughs> and they go i'll be the first i say you know what it's cheap if it has never flooded here in a hundred years, you not believe how cheap this is going to be, but why would we take the chance? And what do we see every year? 25% of flood claims happen in non-high hazard flood areas, people that never saw it coming. And then we see they didn't have insurance because they never thought it would flood or my, my favorite on the other side of that, uh, who need, they need an agent is, well, it was so expensive. Well, gee, I wonder why, you know, because if you're not paying a whole lot for flood insurance, if, it's like I was in Iowa one time and a lady said, Very true. I don't need flood insurance because they build a levee across my back pasture. <laughs> and I said, ma'am, not everybody has a levee across their back pasture. <laughs> Somebody thinks you have a problem. <laughs> and maybe you ought to take that as a, as a need for flood insurance. 
Uh, and but I mean, you know, it's just like I said, the, the the inability to learn. And I've always thought of that song. By the way, the other song, since I mentioned two of them, in case anybody's taking notes, is uh, "Paradise" by the Dashboard Lights. Paradise. By Meatloaf, Paradise, but yeah, most, yeah, a lot of people know it's it's a. But anyway, I oh, always use yeah. it as an example of short-term thinking versus long-term planning. The song is Meatloaf, and he's basically singing about uh, he and a is a girlfriend, and they're parked, uh, and they're seventeen, and he's of course got in his mind that this is going to be the night that he gets lucky, and just mm-hmm. about the time they get, to, I mean, the song is is crazy, but it's wonderful, but. When they get to the what he considers the magic moment, she says, stop right there before you go any further. You got to promise you're going to love me for the rest of my life. You're going to make me so happy. You're going to make me your wife. I got to know right now before we gotcha. go any further. And then my, see, the thing that makes the song to me is what he done does. He panics and, he's, and he finally cracks and he goes, and I started swearing I would love her till the end of time. And then the chorus, the big finish is, so now I'm praying for the end of time. To hurry up and arrive, because if I have to spend another minute with you, I don't think I can survive. I made my promise and I'll keep my vow, but God only knows what I could be doing right now, because I'm praying for the end of time so I can end my time with you. And out it goes. And I thought if there is a greater example of short-term thinking versus long-term planning, I have not heard it in a song. That song is perfect for that. And how often do we do that? We make the we make the short-term decision that sounds brilliant, and we just don't think, but long-term. And, you know, this virus thing, it just kills me. It's, I mean, we're going to get through it. But to hear, every time I hear somebody go, well, how could we ever have seen and what? And I mean, no way. And I go, way? <laughs> Come on, people. It's like this has happened so many times before. Um, and it's going to happen again. Sure. It's going to happen again. Sure. For some reason, we may have blown it out of proportion this time, but that's uh, that's another uh, – that's a Facebook argument, not for here. Well, so anyways – Right. It's Chris, just, but, but in insurance, we should be like, what if the worst happens instead of saying, you know what, I hope it doesn't, so let's not bother. No, and I don't believe it'll happen. I believe the virus will happen and maybe we have to have a stay at home, which is ridiculous that people have never done this their whole life and we could possibly think about doing it again. But I think insurance, I I wrote an article, Chris, I I encourage you to go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com and read it. And it's called, what would the world look like without insurance today? Great. Today. Today. Right. People don't put two and two together until they realize that like this next time will be eliminated because businesses will be able to elect for a coverage that would pay them in the event of it happening again. You know, insurance, once again, here to save the day and and and, and fix the world's problems. I want to wrap this up, Chris. I want to wrap it up. And here's what I want to get from you. Leaders are readers and you readers are leaders and you are a leader. So we know you're a reader. Um, what exactly are you reading or have you read recently that you think is worth telling the listeners? Oh, all sorts of stuff. I'm, um, I'm reading. Um, well, I'm into history. I always yeah. read history. So, um, oh, rats! Dang, see now, I didn't notice. That. I'm drawing a blank on her name. Um, uh, she wrote uh, all about Lincoln, and she wrote, uh, you know, band of uh, team of rivals about the Lincoln. Doris Kearns. Anyway, she's written a book on leadership, and she basically took four presidents and talked about how did they come through from childhood to the great critical decision of their presidency? Uh, how did they get there? 
and what did they go through so that when the time came, they were able to act as opposed to getting crushed by history. And yeah. it's, uh, it's Theodore Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, and Lyndon Johnson, which was an odd one, but she's done a, uh, she's done a lot of research on Lyndon Johnson. So she threw him in. Of course, you know, he's in my time. So I right. you got history and then you got, wait a minute, I remember that, you know, kind of a deal. Yeah. And that, and the other thing is, uh, my wife and I, you know, quarantine, we've, we stumbled across this show called Outlander on TV. Mm-hmm. And so I went and dug up the books because I saw it's written on this best-selling book I've never heard of. And it's historical fiction. It's kind of sci-fi, historical fiction, whatever. But the reason I bring it up is not only is the lady a good writer, even though the books tend to get very big, um, but part of her history is going back to the 1600s and, uh, and she and Ken Follett, by the way, I also just read Ken Follett's latest book, which I'm sorry, I don't remember the name, but he wrote, um, um, uh, he's written a whole series of mystery novels, but he also wrote some historical fiction about England, uh, Pillar of, oh, rats. <laughs> That's the problem. I should have written all this down. But Ken Follett. See, I remember the author. And But anyway, but he writes about the 12 and 1300s of medieval England. And guess what? I mean, I read this a few weeks ago, and in this last book, it's the Black Plague shows up. And guess what they were doing with the Black Plague is trying to get people distanced. They talked about shutting down towns so the plague stayed within the town walls instead of spreading across the countryside. They didn't understand why it worked. The Italian theory back then was it had something to do with with eyesight that there was a light beam that went from one person to another because they wow. knew that if somebody was sick, got near people that weren't, the other people got sick, but they thought it had to do with beams of light. They but, didn't realize it was but they much. knew that then if I could keep you from being where you could see me, I was like, and I thought, geez, does this sound familiar? And wow. uh, the reason I like that stuff is not only because it's, it's really interesting to me, but again, history is, it's really the story of how we got here and we've, you know, there is a, to go back, you started this with a quote from the Bible. And I mean, there really is nothing new under the sun. Um, but what we, those who learn from history are in far better shape than those who basically keep running around like a squirrel in a cage thinking, well, this has never happened before. You go, what happened yesterday, idiot? Or 400 years ago. But we're getting better the more we can build on previous knowledge as opposed to ignoring it. So that's what I'm into right now. Wrapping it up, anything you'd like to say to the loyal listeners as we close? Well, you mentioned the shirt that I had on when you saw me, Insurance is Fun, which was a website that I had put together, which I don't have anymore because I'm off the road. And so it's hard to keep up, you know, when that was part of why I was doing it. It was my company was actually Insurance is Fun. But I would just tell you, you know, the, the, the old cliche, it's a marathon, not a sprint. If you want to have an, a job in this short term, you know, do whatever you want. Uh, you know, hopefully you'll do it well and you won't rip anybody off, but, I, you know, whatever. But if you're going to stay in it, if you see this as a career as opposed to just a temporary job while you're on your way to something honest for a living, as my mother used to say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when are you going to get out of this and do something, you know? <laughs> And I go, Mom, I kind of like it. Well, you're sick. You always were the strange one of the family. But uh, but if you're going to do it for the long haul, I think it is you need to stop back once in a while and go, you know what? I can enjoy this. And if you're not enjoying it, then you're doing it wrong. 
mm-hmm. because it is one of the coolest businesses when you can it's not it's interesting from a technical standpoint it's interesting from an ironic standpoint you can have fun with it with music or movies or whatever analogies you want to use and doggone it when the bottom line comes and you talked about mentioning it before at the worst possible time in people's lives we're there to help mm-hmm. i just don't see a downside uh, i don't and yet we hear our business ripped and wrapped and you know, if you listen to the lawyers, they think we were just born to be scum of the earth. And I go, nah, in many ways, we were created to give lawyers work. Absolutely. Without <laughs> so us. They should be grateful. You should be darn grateful. <laughs> but, but I've I've been in it you know, going on 50 years. I still love it. People say, would you want your kids to get in it today? And well, one of my sons is, and he enjoys it. And so, uh, you know, I would just tell people out there, if you're in this for a career, enjoy. It is going to be one of the greatest things you've ever done when you look back on it. Chris, if um, if someone wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? How could they get a hold of you? Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, if you if you want to go that way, like I said, I've pretty much gotten off the road. I still do webinars a lot, which I think is fantastic. Thank you, technology. But <laughs> uh, but I got done with the travel long before the airlines made it even worse the way things are now. But um, but you can just use if. Um, I was going to say they have to be able to spell my name. Maybe I should use my old AOL address. Do that. Do that. Yeah. No. no uh, okay. okay. Well, then the Chris A19, C H R I S A19 at AOL.com. Yes, I know it's an AOL address, but so what? I'm old. Um, <laughs> I mean, those everything like else treasures. has my name. And if they spell my name wrong, it'll never hear from you. You know, back in the 80s when baseball cards were huge, everybody went and got them because they thought for sure they'd be famous and, and rich in the future. The problem with it was everybody went and got them. It's the things that everybody has but throws away that they don't realize is valuable. How many people have thrown away an, an AOL or, you know, probably still have it and don't even realize it? And so it's that's a that's a part of waxing nostalgia, as Mr. <laughs> Chris Aaron says. So, so, Chris, hey, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you sure. very much, dude. Um, I said it before and I'll say it again. We'll do this again. And to all you loyal listeners out there, I hope you picked up a lot of what we had here. Um, I call it wisdom mentorship. Uh, One of the things that Chris and I talked about when we um, were at brand camp, which I think was, I don't know, 09, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there, is that I had told uh, Chris uh, later when we had been talking that he had been a big inspiration in my life. And I kind of led with that at the kind of at the beginning for you loyal listeners that he was big. What I didn't realize though, what I didn't realize was how many times I've taken somebody on in a small way, a large way as a mentor. You hear me talk a lot of times about finding mentors, about being a mentor, about trying to figure out how in the world mentors are going to work in your life. And they, they will. You know, if you think about it in a way, and this is new to my brain as I was thinking, books are mentors. It's one of the ways that we get into the minds of other people that we learn from what they're reading, fiction and nonfiction. You're learning a ton. One of the things right now, a lot of people with this COVID are beating up Bill Gates. I really find it one of the most comical things out there. And I don't mean comical as in um, as in just being outlandishly funny. I find it humorous because life has its way of, of being funny. The guy has accumulated a ton of money. He gave it away half of it to a charity that literally is funding vaccines and eradicating things all across the world. 
people sit there and now they're saying, oh, he's this and he's that, and you know, whatever. Those are conspiracy theories. We don't, we don't unite under those type of things. What I do find amazing, though, is the people that don't know. And if you're, if you want to uh, watch a video series on him, I think it's a three or four part series. It's on Netflix. It just came out, and I encourage all you loyal listeners to do it. Um, he has an amazing ability. People, I didn't know this. Maybe other people know this. He has an amazing ability to be able to read really, really fast, and he can absorb it. Okay, and so it's fourteen books a week. Is what he write, it was what he reads and has since the 80s and uh, 14 books a week. Um, and he can to a day, you know, I mean, you think about that, like, and so think about how many mentors he has, right? And all those authors who are teaching him things and, and, and you think about that. And so I just want to wrap that back around to you guys. This is why I bring you Chris Amrine. I want you to understand the wisdom that helped catapult me here. And if you take away one thing or two things, then I'm going to feel satisfied that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing here at Agents Influence. Chris, thank you very much for your time. Couldn't do it without you. Um, to all you loyal listeners, could not do it without you. Make sure you share it. Make sure pe- more people find out about Chris Amrine. Learn from our history that insurance is fun. Insurance was fun. And it sure can be fun. Tell me your ideas. Tell me your thoughts. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass. I'm Cass. He's Amrine. We're out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.